Let's pray together. Would you name a place in your life today where you need to believe that you are strong when you feel weak? A place where you need to feel loved when you don't feel a thing? That worry, that fear, that burden that's on your heart today. If you could fix one thing, what would it be? Name that right now. And now ask the Lord, who has received your worship today, to speak to you from his word and to give you that practical next step that would lead you into the peace that he alone can give. Ask him for that. Father, I make this my prayer as well. For me, for us. Speak to us with the peace that passes understanding, I pray. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, you may have seen the news about this patient in China that has been infected by a very rare bird virus. He's in the hospital. He's doing fine. He'll be discharged soon. Nothing to see here. Can't be transmitted to other people. It's very rare. The Chinese tell us nothing to worry about. And it's making global headlines. And you know why, right? Nothing to see here. Move on along. No fears. Now, this time, they've allowed outside authorities in much more quickly, and they're saying the same thing. I'm not here to... They really don't think this is another pandemic, but 18 months ago, right, we were kind of told the same thing. We live in a world, a pandemic, post-pandemic, hopefully someday, world where we worry about stuff on a level maybe we didn't before. And if it's not that, it's something else. This morning, this is the scene in New Orleans, there was a mass shooting. A woman is in critical condition, seven others were injured this morning in New Orleans. You may have seen the story about this Delta Airlines flight. On Friday, it was on its way from Los Angeles to Nashville when somebody charged the cockpit. The flight attendants and the fellow passengers had to wrestle the guy to the ground on the aisle, and they had to divert the flight to New Mexico, where the authorities took him off the plane. And then if you want to feel sorry for somebody, feel sorry for this guy. This is John Rom. Yesterday, he finished his third round at the Memorial, Jack Nicholas Turb. Six shots in the lead was going to be the first guy since Tiger Woods to win it two times in a row. Walks off the 18th tee and is told he tested positive for COVID. Has to withdraw from the tournament. He's asymptomatic, but he tested positive. And his tournament is over. Talk about a high to a low, right? You know? Well, where do you kind of feel like John Rahm today? Where is that place in your life where you really do need a peace the world can't provide. That's what we're here to talk about today is that peace. Let's start with the wrong answers, all right? Then we'll look at the right one. There are four ways that the world would answer your question today. They go back to the biblical era, and they're just as available today as they were then. So this is Marcus Aurelius. If you see the movie Gladiator, you remember Marcus Aurelius and the Stoics. The Stoics tell you just buck up. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, it's fated to be that way. It is what it is. You can't do anything about it. So just muscle up and get through it, is what the Stoics will tell you. This is Epicurus. The Epicureans would say, find happiness where you can. It is what it is. We live in a bad world, so just kind of be peaceful where you can. Find happiness where you can and just kind of get along. Now, this fellow, Diogenes and the Cynics, would tell you, withdraw from life. He lived in a barrel. I mean, literally, he did that. He said, the world is such a bad place, you want nothing to do with it. Withdraw 
get as far away from it as you possibly can. This fellow, Pirro and the skeptics, say you can't figure it out. You can't understand it, so throw your arms up and just kind of get by. All those ancient options still available to you today. That's not how the early Christians went about this. As they were facing some of the greatest, most horrific persecution that any religion's ever faced, in fact, 90% of all religious persecution in the world today is directed against Christians, but back in the early eras, you're talking about Nero and Domitian and massive persecution against believers, they didn't respond to their problems that way. Here is a famous statement about early Christians written by an otherwise unknown believer, we think at the end of the first century. And here's what he says about early believers. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored and yet in the very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of and yet are justified. They are reviled and blessed. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. To sum it all up in one word, what the soul is to the body, that are Christians in the world. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? Don't you want that to be true of you? Well, how did they get there? How did these early believers face the persecutions and the perils and the problems and the pain of their lives with that kind of tranquility and peace? How did they do that? Same way you can. Same way you can. So Paul wrote a letter to the church in Philippi. We obviously call it Philippians. Rather fancy title, right? This is what Philippi looks like today. It's on the Via Ignatia. That's, let's see, I'll have my fancy pointer here. There we go. See that right there? That's part of the Via Ignatia that made its way all across what we call uh, Greece and that part of Europe. Today, Paul walked on those stones when we take people to Greece. We always go here. We've been to this very spot a number of times. Uh, the beam is right behind that, for those of you that have been there. And right there, Paul stood right there. It's really cool to put your feet on stones Paul walked on as you go there. Well, that's what remains of Philippi today. The reason people go there is because Paul went there and was imprisoned there. Now, they'll, they'll call you that, they'll say that's Paul's prison cell, but they have no idea. Paul didn't scratch his initials on it, didn't leave any graffiti behind, anything like that, but it would be, well, that is a prison cell. It goes back to the first century in Philippi. In a cell like that anyway, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were beaten, they were scourged, they were imprisoned, and at midnight they're singing hymns to God. Remember that story, and the Philippian jailer is shocked by this, and they lead him and his entire family to faith in Christ. Now, later, Paul, at the end of his third missionary journey, gets arrested again. This time, he's in Rome. Doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He writes a letter back to this church in Philippi. And in what we call Philippians chapter 4, they didn't have chapters in the day, verse 5, Paul makes this statement, the Lord is at hand. Jesus is coming back. This world is temporary. The worst this world can do to you doesn't compare to the best that God has for you. The Lord is at hand. So in the midst of that, what do you do? Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. It says what it says. It's a present tense imperative. Do not. 
Be anxious. The word anxious. I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? Anxious. That's what it means. Don't be worried about anything. Look for loopholes. In the Greek, there are no loopholes. If right now you're being anxious about something, you're contradicting the Word of God. That's what it says. If you're being anxious, stop it. If you're worrying, stop it about anything. You say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what's going on in my business or my family or my kids, my marriage, my finances. He says anything. And he's writing it from a Roman prison cell to a city where he had been in prison and where they're facing the same opposition he is. Unless you're in a Roman prison cell, you're probably maybe not in a worse place than Paul was when Paul says this. Be anxious about nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, it doesn't stop there. You're thinking, well, great, fine. Go on, go home, do your best. Try harder to do better. No. He says, but, I love that but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. By prayer, which is the general word in the language for communicating with God. Supplications is where you get specific. Where you tell God your specific issue, your problem, your fear, your worry, your anxiety, your grief, your pain. And you can't be too specific. In prayer, you offer your supplication. But you do it with thanksgiving. Not that you're thankful for the problem. I'm not saying that. He's not saying that. Be thankful for what God has done and for what He will do. The Bible says in Psalm 100, we enter His gates with thanksgiving. Bring your very specific need to God, thankful that He's hearing you, thankful for what He has done and for what He will do, and you can't be too specific. Here's a rule of thumb that's helped me over the years. When I'm asking God for help with something or praying about something, if somebody asks me what I'm asking God, would I know how to answer? For instance, if, oh, pick on David. It's fun to pick on David. David comes to me today and says, Jim, bless me. I'm going to say, did you sneeze? What? What do you mean? Bless me. How, how would I bless you? What does that mean? And yet, don't we all the time say, God, bless us? What does God do with that? How would you know if He did? Bless me. We all the time, I hate when we do this, but we all do it. I do it too. We say, Lord, be with me. Jesus said in Matthew 28, I will be with you to the end of the age. You don't have to ask for that. His Holy Spirit lives in you. He is with you. So if your prayer simply is, Lord, be with me in this, He's already done that. It's like saying, Lord, give me air. He's already given you air. Be specific. You can't be too specific. Lord, right now, I am asking you to give me making this up, to give me the peace that I need in the midst of the job issues that I'm facing. And I'm asking you to open a door for me because I need to make X amount as I now understand my circumstances for the sake of my family and our future. There's a fellow named Paul Yongi Cho who pastors, did pastor uh, at one point the largest church in the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church. He said when he learned to pray specifically was back in the early days after the Korean War when he was beginning his ministry, he needed a bike so that he could get around better to visit the members of his church as it was growing. He was praying for a bike, no bike. One day he said, I'm not praying specifically enough. He prayed for a blue three-speed man's bike. And the next day, guess what someone donated to the church? Exactly. 
Now, it's not that if you do this, you earn God's favor. It's that you position yourself to receive God's grace. And you can't be too specific. By praying with specific requests, supplications, with thanksgiving that God is hearing you, thankful for what He's done and for what He will do, present your request to God in everything. Corey Tim Boom said, if it's too small to be a prayer, it's too small to be a worry. If it's too small to pray about, it's too small to worry about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Everything, he says. And here's what God says he'll do. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace, irony in the Greek, tranquility, serenity, a sense of tranquility that transcends your circumstances. The peace of God. Peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. The peace that only God can give. Peace of God surpasses all understanding. The language means understanding can't produce it or understand it. You will have a peace that you could never explain. You will have a peace that nobody else could explain, that your circumstances don't add up to. Maybe nothing's changed in your circumstances at this moment in time. It doesn't say, and God will always give you what you want. It doesn't say that. God will give you what you need, which isn't always the same thing. But it doesn't promise God will change the circumstance. Sometimes God lets the circumstance change and changes you. The old saying is, sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes He lets the storm rage and calms His child which is even better. But the peace of God, not always what you want in your circumstances, but the peace of God, which understanding can't produce or, or explain, will guard your heart, that's your emotions, and your minds, that's your thoughts, in Christ Jesus. He's writing to a Roman colony in Philippi. A lot of them, retired Roman military were there, so this idea of guarding was very much in their culture. So here's Jesus standing guard over your emotions and standing guard over your thoughts and not letting peace be defeated in either one. If you'll give it to Jesus, He will stand guard over your feelings and your thoughts and make certain you have His peace. That's the promise. Now, does God keep His promises? God is all-knowing, so He knows what you're going through. He's all-loving, so He wants what's best. He's all-powerful, so He can keep His promises. We have social proof of this all across Scripture. Here's very quickly an Old Testament example. I love this, Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and the bean are herds in the stalls. Now, in his day, in Habakkuk's day, that's total wipeout. That's total decimation. The stock market is gone. The um, agrarian economy is gone. Everything is gone. If everything is gone, if every means of sustaining life is gone, Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God can do that. New Testament example. Paul had this thorn in the flesh he writes about in 2 Corinthians 12. Love to know what it is. People ask all the time, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, I don't know any more than 20 centuries of Christians know about this. Lots of debates about it. Maybe eye trouble, maybe epilepsy, maybe malarial headaches. There's lots of issues, lots of ways we don't really know. Paul doesn't say, and I'm glad he didn't because then it applies to all of us. If we knew what it was, then maybe we would feel like what Paul says is only about that, but it's not. He had this thorn in the flesh. And he writes, he's very honest about this. In 2 Corinthians, he says in 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times. 
Paul the Apostle, author of half the New Testament, three times asked God that this thorn should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Didn't give Paul what he wanted, gave him what he needed. Gave him his peace. And Paul responded, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong, Paul could say. So, one more time. Where do you need the peace of God? It passes all understanding. If we don't have it, it's not because God doesn't answer the prayer. It's because we haven't offered the prayer. It's that old saying, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? You know? If there's anxiety in your heart today, and look at those words, do not be anxious about anything. If there's anxiety any place in your heart, do something about it now. Don't live with it. You don't have to live with it. You're not supposed to live with it. God doesn't want you to live with it. God tells you not to live with it. It's like you got an MRI and they found cancer. And you're saying, well, it's not a big deal. It's just a small malignancy, probably go away on its own. I can just kind of live with it, right? That's what you do. If your oncologist said they found cancer, right? You'd say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. I can tough it out. I can get through this. I can handle this. I'm big. I'm tough. I'm strong. I can deal with this. We don't need to worry about this. I'll just kind of live with it. That's what you'd say if your oncologist said you had cancer, right? Worry is spiritual cancer. It is spiritual cancer. And the enemy wants to use it to steal your joy and your witness. On the other side, imagine the difference in a culture like this, terrified of a single bird flu patient in China. Imagine the difference if God's people manifested God's peace in this broken world. Would that not be our most powerful witness and apologetic? Well, why not us? Why not now? That's the question. So we're going to take the Supper of our Lord in just a moment as visible reminders of the invisible peace of God. This peace is available to you because of what Jesus did for you. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, we've wasted our time. This is available to you because of what Jesus did for you. Billy Graham says to have peace with yourself, you first must have peace with God. You can have peace with God because of Jesus' death. He died to pay for your sin, to purchase your salvation. He rose from the dead that you will rise from the dead. You have eternal life because of what Jesus did for you. And so on the basis of that gift that we're going to celebrate in just a moment, I invite you with gratitude to present your request to God and ask Him for a peace that will change you and that will change those you influence to His glory. Let's pray. Unless you're unlike all the rest of us, you came today with something on your heart for which this text is God's answer. So name it. One more time, name it. Name the anxiety. Name the fear, the worry, the grief, the thing that's keeping you from peace. Now, right now, Present your request to God. You can't be too specific right now.
And now thank Jesus for what he did to enable what you just did. And know that he loves you just as much tomorrow as today. His death is just as real tomorrow as today. So we're going to celebrate it today, and we're going to celebrate it tomorrow. If there's anything in your heart that would displease the Lord as you take his supper, confess that right now. Ask the Lord to bring to your mind anything that displeases him in your life and confess anything that comes to your thoughts to prepare your heart to receive the supper of our Lord. And now with gratitude, thank Jesus for what we're about to receive. Let's continue in a spirit of prayer as we share together the supper of our Lord. If Jesus is your Lord, you're welcome at his table. We will distribute the bread and the cup. Let's not eat or drink either until everybody has been served. And then I'll lead us as we take our supper together. As we share these elements, I invite you to remain in a spirit of gratitude and in prayer together. Has everybody been served? Great. Well, if you'll <clears throat> lift out the cup that has the uh, grape juice in it, you'll see the bread beneath it. By the way, we call this the Carol Rowe Lord's Supper Solution. Thank you, Carol. That was her idea. I don't know why. You should trademark that, you know? But it really does make it easier for us to do this. Let's take the bread first. And as we do, let's remember what this symbolizes. Twenty centuries ago, Jesus with his disciples at what we call the Last Supper. It wasn't really the Last Supper, the Last Supper before his death. And the bread in this meal, this Passover meal, we think, wasn't a tiny piece like this. We do this to make it easier to serve each other. But it was this kind of unleavened, very hard-crusted, 
kind of almost frisbee-looking disc-shaped thing, we think, be the kind of bread they would have used, unleavened bread. And when Jesus broke it, there was a physical, visceral act. He said, this is my body broken for you. He distributed it to his followers, his first disciples. And he said, take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that. In your own words, would you thank Jesus for giving his body for the sake of your eternal soul? Dying so you could live. Thank him for such grace. And then Scripture says that Jesus took the cup, <clears throat> which he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. There had been an old covenant based on law. This is a new covenant based entirely on the grace of Jesus' atoning death for us. And he said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Now again, would you thank your Lord for such grace, such atoning sacrificial grace as this. Father God, how grateful we are to be able to celebrate this 20 centuries after it was first celebrated with those who first followed you, that we get to be part of them, that we get to be in their number, and we get to know you as they did, to experience you as they did. What a gift of miraculous grace this is. Now, Father, remind us every time fear strikes again, every time anxiety knocks again, every time worry finds us again, from this moment forward, Father, may we be marked by your word of peace. And may we turn that worry into a prayer. May we turn that fear into faith. May we develop the reflex of praying immediately, instantly, about everything that would otherwise cause us anxiety and claim the peace that passes understanding. May we be people of peace. And may our witness to the world manifest your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so today we talked about bird flu in China. Next week, we're going to talk about UFOs. Yeah, that was actually David Stalker's idea. David has good ideas. Right, Kelly? David has good ideas, right? Oh, she's laughing. That may not be good. Um, she's laughing with us, David. That's, that's how that works. But yeah, that's terrific. I actually wrote on this not too long ago, and there's been some stuff since then. So next week, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about UFOs and peace. And we'll see how we can find peace with God, even in the midst of a world like this. So look forward to that. Y'all have a great week. God bless.